The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, have you ever thought about why you eat and what you eat and when you eat it? Well, today we dive into the psychology of eating, including those sugar binges. So listen close and learn how you can be a more mindful eater. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town and what's new at Mother's Market. But first up, Heather Schwartz is a licensed psychotherapist with an MS in clinical psychology and is a certified eating disorder specialist. Heather comes from an education and private practice background where she is specialized in distorted eating, anxiety, and trauma. Heather currently works as a clinician at St. Jude Medical Center in cardiac rehabilitation in Dr. Dean Ornish's lifestyle medicine program, as well as St. Jude's Wellness Center, where she's designed and currently teaches a course entitled Psychology of Eating. And this is so fascinating. We welcome her to the Mother's Market Radio Show. Heather, how are you? I'm great, Kim. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You're a busy lady. Why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and where you work? Yeah, so I work at St. Jude Medical Center, and um, we also work at a wellness clinic out in Imperial Highway. And I have just an absolute passion to see people at a happy, healthy weight and comfortable in their skin. Um, today we're talking about the psychology of eating. And so, Heather, what is the definition of distorted eating? Great question. So distorted eating is any abnormal eating pattern. So that's going to be your compulsive binging, chaotic eating, um, restrictive eating, you know, a secret eating, anything that's outside the norm when it comes to eating falls under distorted. And the distinction is an eating disorder is going to be more severe, where a lot of people struggle with distorted eating, which can which can be just as difficult as an actual eating disorder. I really haven't ever heard of it as distorted, but I think that's so key in today's environment. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about the class that you teach at St. Jude's Wellness Center, and um, what is the psychology of eating all about? Right. So there's quite a few weight loss programs that you know any individual can be involved in, but one of the key components in maintaining a happy, healthy weight is understanding your behavioral patterns, the psychology of why you do what you do, and unpacking those uniquely to you. So for example, if we're looking at you know a, a pyramid change, the bottom levels are gonna be behaviors and information. The top tiers are gonna be your identity, your kind of your self-worth, your purpose, and unless those things really get shifted and altered, people tend to gain weight back. So mm. that's what we're trying to mitigate. Yeah, if you got to believe it in your head first, right? Right. Before you make those. What are the psychological consequences of being overweight or obese? Right. So what we're finding out is being obese or even overweight for a, you know, a chronic period of time creates these neuropathways in your brain that mimic being in um, constant pain. So the neuropathways signal those same kind of isolation um, aspects towards depression pieces, which therapeutically is very, very important. Right. And again, it's uh, really how you wrap your head around it. I'm just curious, what, um, how long 
do these classes last or what what is that time frame right like? these modules are six weeks and it's really just about an hour for six weeks okay. but you do have considerable amount of homework okay so you're doing a lot of introspective work as you can imagine I can imagine that mm -hmm. yeah uh, we know stress is a hot topic uh, when looking at weight loss and maintenance. And can you talk a little bit about the biochemical burden of stress? Right. So we all know the importance of stress. We've read a lot about it. But, you know, if someone's in constant distress, that fight or flight, those cortisol, that adrenaline, it really gets trapped in your body and it has consequences in your actual adipose tissue, which is your fat cells. So at times, people can be weight resistant when they're trying to lose because of the amount of cortisol still in their bodies, um, making it much, much more difficult to lose the weight. So if you are in that constant pattern, we have to look at breaking you out of that so that it can be much easier for you to lose the weight that you really need to. Mm. And I didn't even think about that, but if people can't just seem to release, release that burden of stress, then you know there's no way of going forward or backward. Yeah. You're right. What does cultivating self-compassion have to do with weight loss and maintenance? Great question. There's been a lot of research studies done on your posture when looking at a life change, and those participants that really engage in a, a self-compassionate, graceful way of dealing with your uh, eating patterns lose far more weight and are able to keep it off than those that have this regimented, shame-based way of thinking about themselves and others. That is really a key component, and I, I think about, um, yeah, just the way people carry themselves. And yeah. Just, and all of a sudden, you just see them maybe sitting up or standing up straight, and just, yeah, really in the way that people carry themselves. Yeah, and their self-talk, too, mm -hmm. you know, examining that and what that looks like. And maybe the support around them, too. Absolutely. So can you expand a little bit on that inner voice and that self-talk? Sure. In fact, I, I have an illustration of this. There was a, um, a patient I was seeing that had lost a considerable amount of weight. I mean, it, it, was close to, it was close to 130, 130 pounds. And she still walked through my door sideways as if she mm. did not lose the weight. And so one day, I really wasn't sure. I asked her, would you walk out and walk in again just for a minute? And so she did, and she did the same thing thing and I said you realize you're still you're still walking through the door as if you 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 are this larger person and what what we unpacked from that was that she really lacked this self-compassion self-love she she still saw herself as that person and that really started to affect her we had a conversation that ensued that said you know it, it's my belief that this weight will will come right back on if we don't start walking in this kind of identity, self-compassion of who you are now versus who you used to be. Hmm. And that is so true. I think people, and that's great that you work with them and you really recognize that, that yeah. she was walking in there sideways. To me, this generation of teenagers, of young girls, they all come around and they, um, and so it's the opposite. So you see you're working with large, you're working with small, but they almost um, make themselves, um, you know, anorexic or in this generation, um, just so they, they have to appease the the boys or yeah. something, which is so sad. Well, a large part of my work is with restrictive eaters that maybe don't meet the qualifications for anorexia or bulimia, but they, they really struggle with that restriction, that strict rule-based, shame-based, I have to shrink and make myself smaller. Mm. That's really sad, but yeah. um, but at least you're in a in a healing area, and you're yeah. helping these these women and men yeah. um, see themselves differently and help with that inner talk. Yeah. 
So thank you. Um, this is very interesting information. Um, uh, right now we need to take a quick break, but so much more in just a moment with Heather. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with Her Life Stages. The first of its kind, comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. And welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to remind you that if you've missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for radio and listen to the past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with licensed psychotherapist Heather Schwartz. And we're talking about the psychology of eating. And this is so interesting. And again, in today's environment, it's you have job security, unfortunately and fortunately, I suppose, right? Uh, Heather, can you unpack emotional eating for us? And what exactly does that mean? Right. Well, that term gets thrown around a ton and everybody's saying it. A lot of times people aren't sure exactly what that looks like. So for, for us as clinicians, emotional eating is basically trying to solve your daily or chronic problems with food. And, you know, emotions aren't bad. We want to honor them. We're emotional creatures. That's how we're made. That's how we're designed. But when we attempt to self-soothe with food items, specifically ones that are maladaptive, that's when we start to get into trouble. And one of the issues with emotional eating that we've discovered and that people tend to see, especially when you go through the course, is that sometimes they're stuck in rituals and traditions. And what that looks like is I was working with a, a patient that every night she had said to me, you know, I'm not giving up these specific cookies and this tea time because that is a part of me. That's my world. That's my ritual. Okay, well, can you unpack that for me? What, is it, what do you mean by that? Well, what we discovered after we distilled it all down was it really wasn't those cookies and that calories. It was she missed her mom mm. who had passed. So that ritual and tradition that she loved, it's really not that she even liked those cookies very much, but she loved her mom. And that symbolized her mom. That symbolized connection. That mm. symbolized a, an absence of isolation. And that's what she wanted. So all we had to do then was create a more, you know, non-maladaptive pattern. So keep the tea, absolutely. Um, either, you know, create a different snack or just do the tea alone and then journal about your mother. Hmm. You know, journal a letter to her, journal a note to her and see if that doesn't make you feel even better hmm. than that snack would. 
And so when we talk about it, it it's, it's definitely um, not a one-size-fits-all when you look at emotional eating. Emotional eating for one person looks totally different than the next. But what we want to do is how can we soothe ourselves mm -hmm. that isn't maladaptive, that is healthy and healing for us instead of going towards food. How did her outcome, how would happen with her? She was, she did amazing. She really kind of had that aha moment mm -hmm. that we want in a session and just ran with it. And I saw, had an aha moment, by the way, after yeah. you said that story. <laughs> I was like, I got the chills when you said that. That's really yeah, great. Yeah, we That's don't, nice. we just don't even realize. We think it's just a part of us mm -hmm. and who we are. And yet sometimes it just takes that little mindfulness kind of centering and figuring out what's really going on to break that pattern. And then that can actually end up healing us. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. great. And it's, uh, and again, it, that really, you really did explain how emotional eating and the difference and how it can be different for some people too. Sure. Yeah. So thank you. Um, so now another question, what is mindful eating and what does that matter or why does that matter to weight loss and maintenance? Right. So I do this, this exercise with people and um, it's with a raisin mm -hmm. and I have them look at just one single raisin and smell the raisin, taste the raisin, look at the raisin, allow it to sit on your tongue, allow your salivatory glands to kind of explore it. And at first it's very comical because you're, you're what, what is happening? Who eats one raisin very, very slowly? <laughs> Nobody. And that's the whole point is that we are in this world, myself included, as a mom of two young boys, we're busy. We are busy and we are scarfing down food so we have at least some energy and that's working against us in so many ways. I was um, recently with a colleague and we were asking people that had regained weight to come and talk to us about you know why and what that looked like for them and they said you know when I was on a specific program I knew what I was eating and man did I take my time with every bite, with every morsel. I, I cut out all distractions and I focused on that food and I thought that was so interesting that she would say that and she was so successful. But once life got busy and she stopped doing that, that's when things started to change for her. So we live in this very fast paced you know, world and when we stop and create a mindful eating experience where we're tasting the food and we're honoring the people that made the food mm -hmm. and we're in that kind of mindful, grateful place, mm -hmm. we eat less. Our metabolism, you know, spikes up. We know how to metabolize this food and we just get this overall, you know, nourishing, healthy experiment, you know, experience versus the fast, I don't even know what I ate, did I even eat, you know, that whole look down at your plate and like, someone ate my whole pie. Um, <laughs> that's what we, we want to move away from in our society. So what, on that note, how can we have a better relationship with food? Great question. I always start with, look at your timeline. So if it takes you 10 minutes to eat breakfast, stretch it to 20. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's actually quite difficult to really break up that time. If it you know, really takes 15 minutes for lunch, then, then stretch it out to you know, 30 and see if you can get it to an hour where you're really taking your time. Put your fork down between meals. You know, really don't use electronics. Really create a mindful eating environment and space and see how you feel afterwards. You know, and, and actually, Heather, you bring up a really good point, and that is the electronics, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that is so such a distraction. So mm -hmm. I think that's the first thing. And, they, you know, that's just common, uh, just, I, I think, put the electronics down at the table anyway, right? Yeah. But, but really, be in that place. Um, mm -hmm. my, my mom has uh, Alzheimer's, and so we're doing that um, mm -hmm. 
practice anyway, just to say, do you remember what you had anyway? To, sure. Did you remember what you ate? And so we kind of do that practice anyway with her. But, but I'm getting older anyway, so sometimes I don't remember what I had. But just to, just to remember, and and so I think that relationship with food, I think you bring up a really good point. But just put your fork down yeah. and think about it, <laughs> and take your time. Yeah. And being out with people really helps. Right. You know, enjoy the conversation and the social environment and the people, mm-hmm. and, and enjoy that space, and let and let food just nourish you. Good. Thank you. And sometimes we just need to talk about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's talk about sleep. This is one of my favorite mm. subjects. But <laughs> is it really that important to weight loss or maintenance and why? It really, really is. And arguably, it is one of the most important. You know, there's been multiple studies done, one out of the University of Chicago, which I love, that took participants doing the very same thing, eating the very same things, you know, exercising the same way. And the group that got seven plus hours was far, far above the group that did not. And we were looking at at why that is. And they coined a phrase called metabolic grogginess. And they looked at and they likened it to those those days, you know, where, you know, think about when your kid is sick and they're up all night or, you know, when they're little and they're up all night and you wake up and you are not well. You are groggy. Every you're you just feel not right, you sluggish. And that actually happens to your adipose tissue. That happens to your fat cells. They get groggy, they get <laughs> tired, and they don't come off as easy as the ones that are ready to go. I am going to use that from now on. That is what it is. My fat cells are groggy. They're groggy. <laughs> they just are. And, you know, furthermore, and we know this, is that when you when you have a sleep deficit, you your body starts to confuse insulin and not know how to use it properly we know how all of that affects your hormones, and it just really creates a cycle that is not optimum for your metabolism. Mm. So when we look at, you know, in the class, we talk about different metabolizers. There's, there's pleasure, there's time, there's mindfulness, all these different things. Um, and sleep is definitely a big factor when it comes to, you know, a restful night's sleep and metabolism. And uh, you said in the very beginning, seven hours is kind of like the key, if we could do it. You know, and again, Kim, everybody's unique and different, Mm -hmm. So, but we want to shoot for a seven plus. Okay, okay. Oh, I love it. Uh, What are the stats on individuals gaining weight back? And what is uh, that theme with the small population that doesn't? What's that magic? Yeah, this is kind of a big deal for me in my practice, and, you know, we can walk anywhere and there's weight loss clinics. Everywhere you go, you Mm -hmm. throw a rock, you can hit one. Mm -hmm. And they're valuable, they have value. And yet I would love to see weight maintenance clinics everywhere. Because for me and and what I've discovered is really the work doesn't start until you hit your goal. That's a good point. That's your, right there's your headline. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, that's when the real work starts. Weight loss is, it can be difficult. There's no question about it. It's not easy. But weight maintenance, staying at a happy, healthy weight, that's very difficult. And that has many, many factors included, right? So we want to look at how to make weight, a happy, healthy weight possible, because it really is possible for people. And we want to make sure people know it's possible for you. So the stats we have is, Unless people really identify with their new self, with that, you know, fit, thriving, happy, you know, satisfactory weight person, unless they really, really identify and walk in who they're becoming and who they are, 
they will gain that weight back. So, and again, that goes back to your mind. You have mm-hmm. to own it, right? You've got between to have- a, after you've hit your goal, between 18 and 36 months, unless those higher tiers of identity are addressed, people start gaining the weight back, and that's what we've discovered. Hmm. And so, in your practice, what is your what is your percentage of? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm I mainly work with people on reminding them that they can keep this off. Mm-hmm. Because believe it or not, people, even if they hit their goal weight, they don't believe they can stay there. Because Kim, they never have. So if they never have, what makes them believe now is different, even if they've met their goal. Mm-hmm. So there's something still inside them that, that doubts themselves. So we really, really work with a treatment plan and everybody's is different. So for one person, it's okay, you know, Melissa, this is what this looks like for you. Every day you read these three affirmations. I will remain at a happy, healthy weight. Keeping weight loss is, you know, effortless and easy for me. You know, some people really respond well to affirmations until the neural pathways in their brain say, yes, this is the right thing and I, I, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Other people, it's more of a, of a checklist. You know, today I will keep my weight off by doing this. And you just check off your three things and that gives you that, that piece. For other people, you know, depending on their makeup, maybe they pull on their social support. Mm. You know, it, it just depends. But every person really needs to know that it's possible and then we need to work together on how to make this a reality. You just answered what I was just going to ask you again. <laughs> that was... Um, so... Um, I've heard you talk about a tough day in that toolkit. What is that? So a lot of people, when they have tough days, they do what they always did. So, I, you know, I have a neighbor that when she has a, a difficult day, I know because she comes in the house, I can see her from across the way with a Marie Callender's pie. <laughs> I know, and I know that there's key lime pie in that box because we've talked multiple times. And she's like, it's been a rough week, it's time for key lime pie. Which, you know, everybody has a slice of key lime pie once in a while, and that's fine. <laughs> but when that's your go-to strategy on, you know, times where you're having a tough time week after week, that's maladaptive. That's yeah. something that is not going to help you. That's going to steer you towards diabetes, right. not towards happy, healthy stuff. And then there's the slice or there's the whole pie, right? Right, <laughs> right, you know? So we want to create, okay, you know, you got a flat tire. You were stuck at work. You kid got sick. I called into the principal's office. I mean, this was a day, Kim. This was a day. Yeah. And what do you do? So everybody needs that time to sit down Realize what really, really nourishes you, what makes you happy, and you create a toolkit. Sometimes participants, when I work with them, it's an actual kit. It's a box that you open. (laughs) Some people use a bag. Some people use just a list on their phone, and it's different for everyone, Mm -hmm. but, but you have to be prepared because if you... If you have a goal, and your goal is, I want to, I want to lose 40 pounds by October, then when when life happens, you need a plan. Yeah. So you need a bad day toolkit. What are you going to do? I love it. Maybe you yeah. used to get that key lime pie, but what, what is it going to be now? And it still can be pleasurable and give you a serotonin uptake, but it, but it needs to shift. So what is that going to look like for you? I love that. And you know what? Not everybody has, yeah, I mean, no, nobody really has it. It's like having like an, uh, here in Southern Emergency California. Emergency kit. Yeah, right? Like an like earthquake a, Yeah, I was just going to say that earthquake kit. Um, if you could give people one piece of advice besides that, I love that. Mm piece of advice, but what, what else would that be besides that toolkit? 
That's such a good question. We're, we're so unique. I would say, um, please be kind to yourself. You know, life is really hard on so many levels. So be kind to yourself. I like that too. This has been great, and I'd love, I love, you can come back anytime, Heather, because oh, uh, you. you're kind to us. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, but some great advice on, uh, you know, and again, you're really relevant as well, on, unfortunately, but fortunately, because yes. it being kind, but talking about uh, our weight and, um, and tackling it. Uh, but we really appreciate your knowledge and look forward to having you on again. But in the meantime, you can get more information on Heather and on her website, stjoe.org. And we look forward to your next visit. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market radio show and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.